y'all. Welcome to the LIFT Bible Study Podcast. LIFT stands for Ladies in Fellowship Together. I'm your host, Melanie Leach, and this podcast is named after our neighborhood Bible study right here in North Texas. We are just a group of regular women trying to live out our Christian faith walk day by day. For those of you in the neighborhood joining us for our winter spring Bible study, we will begin Tuesday, February 12th at 1130 a.m. here at my house. We will be going through Lisa Turker's new study, It's Not Supposed to Be This Way. Those of you attending this study, please get the study guide. You do not need to get the book unless you just want to read it. We're going to have the video and that's what we're going to discuss I will most likely mention some of what I'm learning on this podcast. So if you are listening and you're not from around these parts and you want to gather a group of women together, get a book or study guide and do it. I think it's going to be a great study. It is the week of January 22nd, 2019, and it is so cold here. We are in the season of Epiphany. And just to give you church calendar context, Epiphany will run through Mardi Gras and Ash Wednesday is what kicks off the 40 days of Lent prior to Easter. This time between Epiphany and Mardi Gras is mostly known as the manifestation of Christ. So the readings are about the things he did in his ministry. Today, we're going to be talking about the wedding at Cana. This was that time when Jesus turned water into wine. So let's read it together. This is from John chapter 2, verses 1 through 11. And I'm reading from the Passion Translation, but also adding a little bit of my flair to it. So the Bible says, Now on the third day there was a wedding feast in the Galilean village of Cana, and the mother of Jesus was there. Jesus and his disciples were all invited to the banquet. But with so many guests in attendance, they ran out of wine. And when Mary realized it, she came to him and asked, They have no wine. Can't you do something about it? Jesus says to Mary, What does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. Mary then went to the servers and told them to do whatever Jesus says. Now, there were six stone water pots standing nearby. They were meant to be used for the Jewish washing rituals. Each one held about 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus came to the servers and told them, fill the pots with water all the way to the top. Then he said, now fill your pitchers and serve the master of ceremonies. When they poured out their pitcher for the master of ceremonies to sample, the water became wine. When he tasted the water that had become wine, the master of ceremonies was impressed. Although he didn't know where the wine had come from, the servants knew. He called the bridegroom over and said, Every host serves his best wine first until everyone has had a cup or two. Then he serves the lower quality wine. But you, my friend, you've reserved the best for last. This miracle in Cana was the first of many extraordinary miracles Jesus performed in Galilee. This was a sign revealing his glory and his disciples believed in him. 
As I read this story again, y'all, I just, I notice Mary and her responses and I just, I intermingle my responses with hers. How would I have reacted if one of my, my best, best friends or one of my family ran out of food or beverages at a wedding? I mean, that would be disastrous. So I used to work at marketing at PepsiCo almost 10 years ago now, and I was part of the employee appreciation group. One year at our annual marketing picnic, we ran out of bottled water and y'all, it was hot. I mean, we were, we're talking about July in Texas hot. I was in a panic because we had families with children and it was just, it was so hot and we had to get water fast. Everything ended up just fine, but I was completely stressed out. So when I'm thinking about Mary, I, I'm kind of reminded of that, that panic I felt. And I'm wondering if that's how Mary felt. You know, oh Lord, they're out of wine. I imagine she's completely in a panic. Jesus, you've got to do something. Then even in a tizzy, like it says, the Bible says, she tells the servers to listen to whatever Jesus says. And it sounds to me like even after she says that, she just walks off and leaves Jesus with everything. She's confident that he knows what to do and that he's going to fix this. And she walks off. So I, again, that makes me wonder too. I wonder, Mary and Joseph they were poor. Jesus grew up in a poor home. I wonder if over the course of those 29 years, if there were times when, when things were tight, maybe they were, they were out of bread or grain or flour or oil or water. Maybe Jesus did some little miracles to get them out of binds here and there. I don't know. The scripture, it doesn't say I'm making this stuff up, but the confidence Mary has that Jesus will fix this problem with the wine, it, it just, it, I don't know. It makes me think maybe she saw him do some, some miraculous things beforehand. I don't know. What do you notice in these verses? What images or words pop for you? Do you think the servers were nervous to serve the master of the ceremonies, the, I'm air quoting, the water When they, when, you know, when did they realize the water was transformed into wine? When they put them in the pitchers or when they actually served the master of ceremonies? You know, they did what they were told. And lo and behold, that water was wine. And it was good. It was the good wine. As we read through this scripture and as we're talking through this, I'm reminded of my Sunday school class last week. We discussed how to study the Bible. And I thought it might be fun for us as a group to talk through some of the ways you can study your Bible. Because I know that a lot of you have talked to me, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. I just, when I start reading the Bible, it's confusing to me. So let's talk through the ways you can study your Bible. So anytime you're about to dig into scripture, always just say a quick prayer. Just pray and ask God to speak to you through his word. He will. He always does. So, okay, as we go through the scriptures, first, on how to read the Bible. First, there's a simple surface meaning. Here's what it means. Context, characters, 
who, what, when, where, the story. I recommend using some type of Bible, uh, some type of study Bible with notes that can help you get to the context of what's going on, what's the setting, what, who wrote this book, etc., and so on. It talks about the characters in the story. In the past, what I've used is the Life Application Bible. Like that's actually one of my favorite Bibles because it not only gives you context, but it helps you apply the scripture to your everyday life. There's also the Ryrie Study Bible, and that's I think it's R-Y-R-I-E, Study Bible, and that's a good one too, but there are many others out there um, that you can look up on Amazon or at a Christian bookstore. Secondly, when you're reading through Scripture, you can look at it through the lens of the hinted at or the allegorical or metaphorical meanings. Now, this is a deeper way to, to look at it, you know, but if you think through how can I apply this to my life in 2019? You know, how can you apply ancient scriptures to your life today? Thirdly, um, a lot of the Jewish people look to midrashic meaning. So midrash, this is kind of like a Jewish commentary. So there are generations and generations of commentators, rabbis, and interpreters of the Jewish scriptures. It's a ton of Jewish writings, and these are called Midrash writings. So the Jewish people leverage this wealth of information, insight, and wisdom. For us Christians, we actually, I mean, we can leverage the Midrash writings, but we also have commentaries that link the New Testament with a lot of the Old Testament writings as well. So Matthew Henry commentary. That's a real common commentary that you can find anywhere. Um, I like to use the Bible knowledge commentary. It's, it's a great commentary, but there are tons of others, including online resources that you can leverage. Leveraging these is a way to dive into and wrestle with the word of God, which is alive, by the way. When we see scripture that doesn't make sense, we have tools to help us interpret those scriptures, looking to commentaries, thinking it through, praying through it, you know, also talking it out with fellow believers, not to be argumentative, but to, to think about it, to think through it, to talk it out. Like that's a lot of times that's how I think through scripture by talking it out. I also, I like to listen to other, I like to listen to podcasts. I like to listen to other voices and perspectives speaking into these scriptures to help me see it through those eyes. So I want to encourage you to read your Bibles. A lot of people don't know where to start when it comes to reading the Bible. Let me help you. So start with either the book of Genesis, which is the first book. It's the beginning. Go ahead and start there. Or a lot of people say, start with the gospel of John. Get a study Bible, like Life Application Bible. That's that's the best. I think that's that's a great one. You can read a section and then read the commentary below the scripture that you've just read. And it'll help you understand what you're reading. Go to Amazon or a Christian bookstore to find a good study Bible. But start. Do it. You can do it. You can do this. So Jesus goes to a wedding and he turns water into wine. The best is served up last. A transformation happens 
water into wine. Some commentaries have said that this first miracle is a contrast from law and sacrifices Moses taught to grace and redemption found in Jesus, the Messiah. I mean, let's face it, I would not have gotten that from just reading that scripture straight. But after reading the commentary, I like it. I like applying that. So that's all I have for you all today. May the Lord bless you this week. And I'll see you next time.